Shalom. I'm Ruth Smuddles. Hello, I'm neurotic Jewish gay. As two Jews on the internet, we are bombarded with anti-Semitism constantly, so we've learned to cope with it how we know best, with humor. We think we're pretty funny, and we didn't think it was fair that you guys have to miss out on all of our very hilarious conversations, so we've decided to invite you in. Welcome to our podcast, Do You Want to Talk Shit?, Today we're talking shit about cults. Cults, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get started, I already um, told Neurotic Jewish Gay that um, I want to talk about something that is unrelated to cults or Jews. Oh yeah, this is very important. This is like a- yeah, it's very important. Okay. It's kind of related to Jews because it's got to do with diarrhea. But- it's also kind of related to cults because like... I don't know about that. Okay, but like, you have a cult of like Simba lovers. I, I do have like a cult. Simba has a cult following. That's true. Oh, yeah. Simba, yeah. Um, Simba, my dog, if you live under a rock or don't follow me on Instagram. Um, okay, so this morning, my dogs always wake me up like super early to like go on a walk. Um, so this morning I take the dogs out on a walk and whatever we're walking. And then Simba starts pooping and he's got like straight up diarrhea and I'm like, fuck, but whatever, you know? Um, and then, <laughs> then he sits on his own diarrhea and starts dragging his butt like all over the sidewalk. And so then there was like diarrhea <laughs> all over his butt. And it was really oh. stressful because when I got home, I was like, like, don't you dare like sit on anything. Like I have to wash your butt. So <laughs> like Simba, this isn't how I raised you. No. <laughs> like just straight up sat on a mound of diarrhea. Anyways, I can't believe that he's too old to be doing that as well. Like he's not like a six-month-old puppy. I know he's like ten. Um, that comes yes. a point. Seriously, so I had to give him a bath at like six in the morning. Um, anyways, that is it for Simba today. Um, anyways, okay, cults. I think cults are really interesting. Um, I've always like thought about um, how there's such a fine line between like what's a cult and like what's a religion. Um, And I also had a family member that was in a cult for a minute. So that just got me thinking about that. Um, Then I watched a documentary that I actually did this like the morning of my grandma's funeral. I watched a documentary about this cult. When was this? Oh, this was like Like years ago. Okay, because like the way you said it, it sounded like it was like last week. Oh no, so. no, 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 no. So <laughs> no, like you know, like if someone that you're like close to dies, you probably want to watch some friends or something like heartwarming. No. 
<laughs> I watched a documentary about a cult, but it was based, it's called Holy Hell. It used to be on Netflix and I tell everyone to watch it because it's just like wild to me. But yeah, highly recommend people watch it. It's called Holy Hell. I think it's on Prime now. It's not on Netflix anymore. So anyways, all those things, I just think about cults a lot for some reason. So, um... I don't know if you NJG want to talk a little bit about what a cult is. Yeah. So um, it's like Roots was saying with the, you have to, there's a fine line between cult and like religion. Um, because I don't know, like when I was trying to think about what a cult is, I couldn't define it like distinctly from religion, but actually a few differences so the definition of cult is from the youtube video we can link it in the description or whatever that is um cult doesn't mean a religious group or a group i don't like it's not just beliefs that make a cult but cults have a very specific structure and characteristics so they are one authoritarian two they often use deceptive recruitment. And three, they are usually very controlling. Yes. What I thought was interesting, if you guys have listened to this podcast before, you'll know I'm obsessed with totalitarian regimes, the horseshoe theory, etc. Um, and the video I was watching to help explain all of this kind of compared cults to dictatorships, which, I don't know, I thought that was really interesting. But basically, the a big similarity between the two is that they're not really about belief, they're about control. And every cult has three important uh, characteristics so one, there's charismatic and authoritarian leader. Um, this leader is almost always a narcissist. The second is thought reform, which is the process of changing people's minds and thoughts without them realizing that the changes are happening. It's a, sim- it's a very similar uh, tactic used in a lot of like domestic abuse situations. Yeah, so thought reform is used in um, abusive relationships and also terror groups, hate groups. And um, when you think about um, thought reform or, like, brainwashing, you picture people as, like, zombies, like, just totally removed, like, robots. But that's not really how it works. It's more of, like, people are sitting in groups and like talking and I guess it appears very natural. Um, but you know, inside your head, that's obviously not. Yeah. It's like, I guess like kind of like psychological abuse in a way, I guess. Oh, it is. The whole thing is psychological abuse. Um, the third thing is exploitation. So basically once, so the first step is, you know, the leader charms you. And then the leader slash cult reforms your thinking and then they exploit you. And this is like 
exploitation can take the form of like economic, political, sexual, psychological, like really anything. Um, I just wanted to add cults don't have to be religious. I usually think of religious when I think cult, but there are political cults, business cults. This is a big one. Self-improvement. I thought that was really interesting because I feel like this is a big thing. So how do you get in a cult? They also said to think of this like an authoritarian state. You can be born into one. You can be like forced into one. Um, You know, some crazy government comes in and takes over all your shit. And recruitment. So just back to what we were saying before with the self-improvement stuff, a lot of this stuff happens when people are really vulnerable and they like look for something. Um, There's no ideal personality for a cult, but things like, you know, moving recently, breakups, having a death in the family, a career change, like natural anything that would leave someone particularly vulnerable would probably render them more um, susceptible to falling into it. That's what happened to like my family member. They had just like finished college and like basically were looking for a job for a while. And then they ended up at this job, which was like a front for the cult. (laughs) Um, But yeah. That's really interesting. That's because I was going to say, like, cults look for followers. Like, you don't go, you know, wondering, like, ooh, this looks cool. Like, no, they look for followers. And that stuff can take the form of, like, lectures, seminars, retreats, people going fucking door to door, knock, knock, (laughs) could you want to let Jesus into your life? Um classes and yeah fronts are a big thing so like a lot of it when I was looking at it was like some sort of class as I said maybe um like a meditation class or something like that um yeah which I feel like is like you go to relax like something you would want to do at a difficult time it's so fucked up (laughs) I mean I I saw it happen firsthand and I'm not gonna like give more details just to like protect this person's privacy but it's like it's so insidious how like they get to you oh yeah this is like they give you they emphasized three things like how they kind of catch you in and like get you really into the cult. I don't know if you guys have heard of the frog in boiling water analogy, but basically it's like if you, you know, toss I hate this. This so <laughs> if you toss a frog into boiling water, they'll jump right out. But if you because they're like, fuck, that's hot. <laughs> but if you have the frog in the water already and you like slowly like turn up the heat they won't realize that's the yeah that's what it's like um that's how like the cults basically work they get like you know you don't like you're not you don't come to the front and they like sexually exploit you like that's not like what right so part of this process i thought this was really interesting because i haven't heard this phrase used when it doesn't come to romantic relationships. 
Step one is love bombing. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what that is, that's like just heaps of praise and I guess gifts and just compliments and just making you feel like really, really loved that it's a manipulation tactic. It makes you feel really good, really part of the group. And at the same time, the cult takes up a lot of your day. Group assignments, studying, lectures, they'll be like, wow, like you're ama- you're doing such a good job, like shit like that. And remember this person might be at a shitty time in their lives. So they're like, yeah. wow, like this feels fucking great. Eventually what happens is they slowly, slowly, you have to like leave your family and friends. Um, and it's like the cult and no one else. Like, it's just the cult. Yeah. Like you, that's why this was interesting. That's why cults do celibacy or they do polygamy because you don't want someone to just have like a romantic relationship. Cause that would be outside the cults. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And many like cult leaders and I guess people within the followers um, will like take on names like mom, dad, brother, sister, whatever. Like, yeah. Which was pretty interesting as well. Another thing I saw, I found out, which was pretty cool, is like there are no secrets if you tell one person in the cold something like everyone has to know and that is because you can't like criticize or complain or be like shit is anyone else feeling like this the second is confessing traumas that's really encouraged and the cult leaders or recruits will often gaslight the follower basically into over exaggerating their trauma or like not or perceived trauma or not remembering it correctly so they will eventually feel really guilty and they'll feel like their past relationships were also shit because how could this have happened to me when I had this person or when I had that person and they're like it basically manipulates you into making you feel like everyone from before you joined the cult was like a bad person so it's like a lot of confession with everyone constantly confessing shit and like talking about family like it literally just drives you crazy and again there's no privacy so, like, all these people know your deepest, darkest secrets, but, like, what can you do? Right. And while this is happening, you're slowly cutting off from your everything you know from your family and your friends and, like, all other relationships because eventually it's all or nothing. It's the cult or it's nothing. Yeah. Like, you're either in the cult or you're a bad person. Yeah. I don't know if I emphasize that they like load you with activities, studying, working, doing shit for the cult, stuff like that. Um, This is just constant, constant, constant throughout these like love bombing phases and the confessing traumas and all of this. So the third stage of 
you know, the kind of brainwashing is that it gets to you. So like the lack of free time that you have because you're devoting everything to this combined with the sleep deprivation because like the shit takes a lot out of you. Like this isn't like, you know, nine to five. This isn't a nine to five. (laughs) Like this is emotionally fucking draining. Like, yeah. And it slowly strips you of your individuality so you have no self-reflection and it talks about how as you become isolated you eventually become isolated from your own mind which i thought was really interesting because you rely on the cult or you think like why is the leader physically abusing this person and you're like no i can't think that that's awful he would never do it like i feel like there's so many similarities with like abusive like romantic relationships to this yeah yeah that's what yeah that was part of the what was it called thoroform yeah thoroform is often used in like deep um domestic abuse and stuff like that um same with like terror groups and child soldiers. Yeah. And all that fun stuff. Okay. Yeah. Not fun. <laughs> you should probably take the that opposite out. of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So when I can't remember specifically what part it was about this, I guess through the constant activities, you see everyone happy and you try to question yourself and then you're like, this is fucked. I, there must be something wrong with me because everyone's happy here. Um, what's wrong with me? And, you know, this is exactly what they want. There's also a lot of use of um, loaded language, which the loaded language prevents followers from following anything outside the cult. New vague words that can stand for anything are used without the things themselves actually being discussed. So if your family says to you, where have you been the last month? What the fuck is going on? I think you're in a cult. You can just say, no, no, this person's a non-believer. I can't listen to them. They're a non-believer. Who would listen to a non-believer? And you're not talking about the fact that you have been away for a month. (laughs) And that just, yeah, it consumes every aspect of your life and it becomes very us versus them us as in the call and them as in everything else and also cults often preach that like if you leave you're fucked basically you're gonna die you're gonna end up on the street and once you are fully in that and you're in that headspace you'll basically fucking do whatever that's how they get you. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, because this is a Jewish podcast, um, I wanted to go a little bit more into Jewish cults, which do exist. Um, I feel like people generally like associate cults with Christianity or something, but um, nope. <laughs> yeah. There's like... I feel like there's a bunch of little yeah. ones. Well, there's been wrong, like literally like, it's hard to keep count because like I feel like the line between what makes a cult and what doesn't can be blurred, but um 
there's been quite a few in Jewish history for sure. Um, so I was doing a ton of research into this topic and, um, there's a ton, right? So we couldn't possibly talk about all of them right now. So I'm going to talk about two of them or it's really like 2.5, uh, cause one is related to the other, but, um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about one cult in history and one that is still going on today. So, um, in my research, I found that pretty much every Jewish cult in history started with a false messiah. Wow. Yep. There's all <laughs> yeah. I'm, basically, I'm not I mean, so, so awaiting the Mashiach is like so central to Judaism. Right. Um, and Jews have been through so much awful shit in history that it makes sense that people would be like desperate for like someone to be the Messiah. So just to refresh my memory, what is the idea of a Moshiach again? Is it that when he comes, everything will be good? Or what is So the- Okay, so I, as you know, I'm not, like, religion is not my expertise. But I did li- listen to, yeah. like, a really long podcast with a rabbi that talked about, like, false messiahs in history. And I'm assuming different rabbis from different, like, um, movements within Judaism have different views on things. But... Um, Mm -hmm. from what I gathered, it's the main things is like the Messiah is going to bring everyone like closer to the Torah and basically Israel will be like refounded, like the temple will be rebuilt and like all this stuff. Right. (laughs) Um, and things are supposed to like, you know get better like like a a reason why like for jews like there's no way jesus 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 was the messiah there's so many s's in this sentence i just got confused um uh is that like he he was here like two thousand years ago and things are still shit so he couldn't possibly be the messiah um I didn't yeah. No, but okay, so there's like I said, there's a ton of things that go into who the Mashiach could be and not be, and um I that would be a whole like different podcast, but from what I gathered, the two most like relevant things to like cults um is that number one, the Messiah will not add or subtract to the Torah. So if they start changing like what the Torah says, they are a false Messiah. And number two, that like bad times cannot be taken as a quote unquote, like sign that the Mashiach is coming. Um, So if like you're going through the Holocaust or the Spanish Inquisition or whatever, like you can't be like, Oh, this Mm -hmm. is a sign from God that the Messiah is going to come. Um, that's not how it works but i like yes but people you know in desperate situations are obviously going to be more vulnerable to falling for this stuff the first cult that i wanted to talk about are the sabbatians um i think that's how you say it it's kind of a weird word but um they were led by a guy named Shabtai Tzvi. Um, he was born in Turkey in 1626. And from like when he was little, he just displayed some like really weird behavior. Um, <laughs> possibly today, I feel like he'd have some sort of like mental illness, but you know, it was back then. Um, 
he decided to start like studying Kabbalah like by himself when he was young. And he started practicing some things that you don't really associate with Judaism, like self-flagellation. Um, most of his community in Turkey thought he was like completely crazy. Um, and he was actually kicked out of his community a couple times because of his odd behavior. Like at one point he like quote unquote got married to a Torah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay. so yeah, there. so clearly he wasn't like all there mentally, but, um, uh, by the time he was 24, he'd been married twice, but he didn't consummate either one of those marriages. Um, I don't, wait, not even the one with the Torah. <laughs> I hope not. Um, so after he was kicked out of his town, he ended up traveling a bit and he ended up in Egypt and then he got married to a woman who was likely a prostitute. Um, him and this woman tra traveled to Gaza where they met th this uh, Jewish theolo theologian, <laughs> um, this guy, Nathan of Gaza. Um, and historians think that he was told to go to him because he like, they thought that he needed psychological help and he, they thought this guy could provide it. But instead, Nathan said that Shabtai Tzvi was the Messiah. They started both of them sending letters to like the Jewish world, uh, claiming that the Mashiach had come. And remember, this is like the 1600s. So, um, most people actually believe them. Like most Jews were like, Oh shit. Like the Messiah is coming. Um, and the people that didn't believe them were actually like ostracized from their communities. Um, women were, yeah, like, like this was a big thing. Um, women were like really attracted to the movement because Shabtai was like very much as like breaking like gender boundaries. Um, and, uh, the Jews started like selling all their shit. Like they were preparing to like make Aliyah and like go to Israel as you're supposed to do when the Messiah comes. Um, and Shabtai like said that he was going to conquer Israel to like make this possible. Um, back then Israel was under the Ottoman empire. So the Ottomans were fucking pissed because <laughs> this guy is saying that he's going to conquer their land. Right. Um, so they put him in prison and they were basically like convert to Islam or die. And he decided to convert to Islam. And the majority of the Jewish world was really upset about it. Like they were really devastated. Um, they were like, this guy's a traitor. Like, I can't believe he, you know, converted, but some of his like really like loyal, like followers basically decided that this was just all part of the greater plan and they decided to convert themselves. Um, Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> if you're like forced into a conversion when you're in prison, why would you like when you're out, wouldn't you just be like, okay, see ya? Like, um, I... I don't know. I mean, I, uh, yeah, for sure. Like the people that, d that converted with him, they, I mean, they just kind of like decided, or I don't know if he told them or what, but it's like, they were like, Oh, this is like God's plan. We just, you know, we don't know it yet, but this guy is the Messiah. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, 
of course. Yeah. So <laughs> after he died, um, uh, his movement kind of like Sabtianism, I guess is what it's called, uh, kind of died down, but it still persisted until like the 19th century. And actually like some of the like views had an influence on the Hasidic movement. Um, but something that's really, really interesting actually is that the whole idea, I'm sure you've heard that like you shouldn't start studying Kabbalah until you're 40. Um, that came from this because the Jews were like, they thought that he had gone crazy because he started studying as a kid. Um, so they were like, no, you got to be older and like more whatever to start studying it. So that's where that comes from. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Then cult 1.5 <laughs> is Frankism and it's related to this one. So a uh, hundred years after um, Shabtai Tzvi, a Polish Jewish rabbi named Jacob Frank um, revived the movement. Um, but he said that he was the Messiah, not Shabtai Tzvi. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Frank's dad had been like a follower of, of, um, the Sabbatian movement. And in the 1750s, Frank himself became close to the movement. Um, in 1755, he started teaching like quote unquote, quote revelations in the town of Podolia, which is now in Ukraine. Um, okay. Revelation sounds Christian, sounds right? Like very yeah. Christian, but okay. You do. Um, this drew a lot of attention and a year later like a rabbinical court was like they accused him and his followers of breaking jewish law um so frank and his followers were exiled so frank's whole like shtick was that you had to do the exact opposite of alaha or like uh jewish law like you had to do the exact opposite <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. So this whole like don't add or subtra subtract to the Torah. I know like Jewish law isn't the Torah, but like he was just coming up with some shit. So um he said basically that the most important thing every Jew had to do was quote unquote break every boundary. Um he said that sinning was the path to salvation. Um so him and his followers like engaged in all sorts of like weird behavior, like orgies, <laughs> eating pork, <laughs> basically doing like the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do according to like Judaism. Um when at its like most popular, his movement had fifty thousand followers, which is like whoa. That is yeah. a lot of fucking yeah. Jews. Because if you think about how many Jews I know. there were, oh, yeah. what? <laughs> oh my god, wild. Um, but <laughs> the majority of the Jewish community was like, "Fuck this guy," you know. Um, so uh, the Frankists tried to gain the acceptance of the Catholics um, and a Polish bishop took the Frankists under his protection and he mediated a meeting between the Frankists and the rabbis of the Jewish community. But the bishop ended up like in the meeting, the bishop ended up siding with the Frankists and he decided that the bishop, not Frank, he decided that all the copies of the Talmud had to be burnt which in Poland. So like every single one of the Talmuds in Poland had to be burnt. Um, so he ended 
Ja. Um, okay. Yeah. This guy, Frank, was, was causing some damage. Um, so 10,000 volumes were burnt, which was like a lot for the Jewish community back then. Um, and in 1759, Frank was like, well, the Jews hate me, so let's all get baptized. So Frank and uh, 1,500 followers got baptized. Um, but the Catholics were still like very suspicious of them because they were like, well, these people are Jews, but whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> so a year later, Frank was arrested and charged by the Poles with heresy. Is that how you say that word? So even when Frank was in prison, his followers were like super loyal to him and they would like communicate in various ways and Frank would tell them what to do. And then uh, in 1772, Poland was partitioned for the first time. So uh, the Russians released him from prison. Um, So a lot of Christians in Poland actually really liked Frank because they saw him as like insidiously like spreading Christianity to the Jews. Um, which he sort of was doing kind of, but not really, you know what I mean? Like, like he got baptized, but he was also having like orgies, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but he was also having revelations and eating pork. So basically like, yeah. Um, So after, yeah, Yeah. after Frank died in 1791, his daughter became like the leader of the movement. And, uh, some Frankists actually ended up participating in the French Revolution, which is an interesting detail. Um, but yeah, <laughs> ultimately, like all the Frankists, like ended up intermarrying with Christians, and like the movement like died out. Um, so that was crazy. Uh, so the third and final cult that I'm gonna discuss is a cult that is taking place right now. Um. It's called Lev Tahor, or uh, it's commonly known among Jews and Israelis as the Jewish Taliban. Um, They have like 300 members. Um, So this group was founded by an Israeli named Shlomo Helbrens in 1988. Uh, He moved to New York in the 1990s, and he was arrested for kidnapping a 13-year-old Israeli boy when he came over here. Um, After he was released from prison, he ran a a yeshiva in New York, but then he was deported back to Israel. And then he moved to Canada and he got asylum because he claimed that the Israeli government was, quote unquote, persecuting him for his anti-Zionist beliefs, Um, which which was a crock of shit. Like everything that like all his... his trial, like, or, you know, where he like had to testify to like prove that he was being persecuted. Like he paid like the boy that he had kidnapped to like testify. Like he just falsified like a ton of evidence. Um, That's yeah, no, the whole thing was like a mess. I don't know why. I just that, but <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> the whole thing was just fucking messy. Um, so when he was in Canada, him and his followers had to be like on the move between like different cities because there was like constant like allegations of child neglect and abuse, like following them. Um, in 2014, uh, the group moved to Trinidad to like try to get out of Canada and like, um, 
then they like their ultimate goal was going to Guatemala. Um, but child protection authorities basically prevented like hundreds of kids from being expatriated yeah, to <laughs> Guatemala. Uh, so they stayed in Canada. Um, but most of the group then ended up like settling in Guatemala. But then the indigenous people from like the region where they were staying uh, basically put out like a notice saying that they, the, the, the group was not welcome to stay, that they didn't respect the lo- local culture. Um, so, yeah. So, in 2017, Helgren's <laughs> drowned in Mexico. So, his brother, Nachman, yeah. Oh he was, he was, apparently he was trying to do, like, some, like, mikvah-like thing in the river, I think. I'm not like, don't quote me on that. I can't remember if it was a river, but, um, yeah, he drowned. So good riddance, I guess. Um, so <laughs> he wasn't a good guy. So, um, his brother Nachman took over the cult. Um, but in 2018, a bunch of members of the group, including Nachman, were arrested in a joint FBI Interpol operation. Um, so this shit is like international. Like <laughs> he's just yeah. being persecuted all over the globe. So basically what had happened was that um, uh, Helbrin's grandchildren were kidnapped after their mother tried to flee the cult because she didn't want her 13 year old daughter to be married off to an older man. Um, in November of night of it's like, how did we, I don't know. I really don't know. And I just think social media makes it all like magnified because yeah. You're exposed to a lot of people maybe you shouldn't be exposed to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. So, but I also think that people yeah. do this with, like, not necessarily, like, specific people, but, like, with movements. Like, I see this both from, like, Zionists and from, like, people in, like, the, like, Zionist, so it makes sense, I guess, sort of. Um, like, Holy yeah, Iran, like, actually, like, was gonna go through with it. Um, but when they try to reach Iran via Kurdistan, they were arrested by Iraqi officials and they were deported to Turkey. Um, <laughs> and then after that, they somehow ended up settling in Bucharest, Romania. So that's where they are today, as far as everyone's aware i guess um oh my god are there still like kids yeah. in the oh, yeah. hall um Holy yeah shit. so okay so like some of their practices are really weird so their prayers are like twice as long as like just regular jews praying and each word is like super like overpronounced. um they like th- they're like way of keeping kosher is like insanely strict and like they only they can only eat fruits vegetables and bread um like i mentioned before they're like super anti-zionist um a bunch (laughs) of former members that have been able to escape have accused them of like child abuse brainwashing drug use and forced marriages between children um i actually yeah i actually watched like an interview with like some of like the leaders of the cult and they're like saying like oh 
if the Torah said that we have to marry, like that we should marry at eight years old, then we would marry them at eight. But you know, they wait till they're like bar and bat mitzvah to marry them. But that's they're still children, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this there's this um kid. I mean, he's still a kid, I think. He's still under 18 as far as I am aware. Uh, I could be wrong, but he looks really young. Um, this former member, his name is Mendy Levy, and he escaped after he was forced to marry his 12-year-old cousin when he was, I think, 16. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, another thing that actually made him want to leave is that his dad got an infection and he was not allowed to go to the hospital. They basically like live in a compound and they can't leave. Um, so yeah, like if someone is sick, they can't go to the hospital unless they have like the approval of like the leaders. Um, and you have to like do everything the leaders tell you. So like, um, the Mendy Levy kid was like telling this story about this one girl who was like allergic to sesame seeds. Um, but the group leaders told her that she had to eat tahini to like, quote unquote, like test her faith. Um, and she ended up dying two hours later because she had a massive like allergic reaction. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like literally insane. Um, they also like, have like the the Jewish books that they study. Um, I mean, they only study Jewish books. So like kids don't even learn like super basic math, like one plus one, they can't do that. But um, they also are not okay with all Jewish books. They do like the five books of Moses. So like the Torah and the rest are texts written by Hellbrands. So like the guy that founded the cult. Um and they, yeah, for some reason, they really fucking hate Chabad. I don't know why, but they really hate them, like, especially. So, oh my God. I, yeah, really I don't know what, what the beef is, but like, because um, there's so <laughs> many Jewish groups in the world, but they really fucking hate Chabad for some reason. Um, so if there's like a book that has like the Chabad symbol on it, they burn it. I don't know why. Oh, okay. As you do, yeah, I, I guess. don't know what I the fuck their problem is with them. <laughs> like, okay. Um, yeah. Um, and they, of course, claim that, like, they're the only, like, authentic form of Judaism. And um, that Mendy Levy kid was, like, saying how, like, they really, like, don't learn anything about like Judaism, like outside this twisted version of it. Like he didn't know about the Holocaust. Um, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like no idea. I feel like I should stop. No, being it's, surprised, it's, but like this shit just gets yeah, crazier it's, and it's wild. Um, then, uh, he also like describes some forms of a child abuse. So like parents are not allowed to hug their children. Um, if they do, they're like punished and their children will be like taken away from them. Um, if a kid tells a lie, they have to eat like a hot pepper. Um, they're like, they're beat all the time for like minor transgressions. And after they get like beaten up, they have to like kiss the hand of whoever beat them. Um, like I said, yeah, they don't get like, any education at all whatsoever other than like the Torah and the books that the leader wrote. Um, 
And he also said that a bunch of members have ended up killing themselves because they like didn't see a way out and they just didn't know what to do anymore. So, um, that's that on them. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that, but, um, yeah. I feel like I'm speechless. Yeah, it's really horrible. How, like... I don't know. Just, like, how? Like, can that even be happening? I don't know. And, like, like I saw they still have, like, um, like, 300 members. So, that means there's a lot of kids there. Like, a different... Yeah. But, yeah. um, And, like, they're, like globe trotting trying to like not get arrested you know um yeah like they're going everywhere like surely someone couldn't like i don't know i just feel like someone can do something i mean those two guys that got arrested only got 12 years which i think is such bullshit super weird and and i don't know like just like the whole when i was like learning about how basically every cult in jewish history started with the idea of like a false messiah and i don't know if like lev tahor thinks that shlomo helbrands is like the mashiach i don't know but he's definitely like this infallible like you know um leader that can do no wrong like i mean they basically got rid of every jewish book that he didn't write you know um and they think yeah that- i think it's always no, it's not Sorry, I'm just saying, saying they think that that's like the authentic form of Judaism is what this guy says. No, that makes sense. That's like, that's just like not. I mean, I think there's usually like there's always something, even if like the person isn't a messiah. Maybe they have like some special path. Maybe they think they're like a prophet or like some sort of book. yeah i don't know um but yeah like the whole messiah thing just got me thinking um about i think the element of like the the mashiach is coming and like israel is going to be restored um that just like lends itself to like I'm not criticizing Judaism. I'm just saying I can see how that would lend itself to like for vulnerable people to fall for a person who says they're the person that's going to like lead the way to, to this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, I, I don't want to like, I'm just thinking about like, obviously we spend a lot of time on like Jewish Instagram and like, I, I, Again, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but I see the way that like some popular influencers talk about like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and especially like the claim of Israel to like the West Bank slash Judea and Samaria, like like a religious tone, I guess. And I think that they're conflating um, the religious spiritual view of israel so like because israel is like the land of israel the people of israel you know what i mean like it's not just the physical state of israel and they're conflating all that with how the state of israel should behave and i don't think that's okay i don't think it's okay to like impose like this religious um interpretation of israel force it into like a nation state in 2022 you know what i mean like 
indoctrination because they haven't actually thought about what this state would look like and how it would function. But I don't even think they care. No, they like, don't it's not because you, it's not them that's going to no, suffer. No, they don't care because, again, they're just repeating what they're repeating because they've been indoctrinated to believe that this is what you say when you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And it's like the same file. Right, like it's, it's not like from a deep understanding they're, they're repeating no. their indoctrination. Um, and like I know... I know oh, we've yeah, kind of sure. like gone on a tangent, but I do feel like it's related to how like the mind falls for things. Um, I, f- I feel <laughs> like if, if they actually knew what they were talking about, they wouldn't just be repeating like the, the mantra. Um, like, yeah. which is funny because the person in my family that was in a cult, they were like all given like a mantra and they had to get it tattooed. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> They also got like new names, but only if you were good. So like if you weren't good, you like didn't get a new name. And if you didn't get a new name, you felt like all left out. Like they would do that. Like Oh, like the reward system, yeah. Do you at least get to choose your no. name? Or does the, the leader, leader chooses it? it. <sighs> yeah. Oh my god. So like they can just yeah. do anything. I feel like we've the conversation has run like, its yeah. course. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for listening, and I have one very important thing to say. Eat shit, live to whore. Eat shit. <laughs>